welcome to the Sports Bros Podcast with your host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. Also, the almighty B-Live and the money man, Scotty D. And now, without any further ado, here they are, the Sports Bros. What's going on, world? This be your boy, the head of creative, Eddie Cool, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Bros Podcast. It is episode three. Yeah, that's right. You heard me right. Don't clean ears. You heard it correctly. Tree. Episode three. And as always, I got my sports bros with me. The almighty be live. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This be your boy, the almighty be live. Episode one, two, three. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Ready for it. We got a lot to talk about. It is madness season. So, man, oh, man, check them brackets out. Mine sucks. Don't want to talk about <laughs> next topic. <laughs> and, of course, we got the money, man, Scotty D. What's up, brothers and sisters? I am ready for episode three, third time's a charm. We're getting, getting the hang of this, boys. Starting to get a little bit better at this. And uh, hopefully our listeners will agree. Talking sports is a lot of fun, but we want to hear from them as well. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's cool that we talk sports too, but we like to talk sports with everyone else as well to get, you know, a difference in opinions, to see how, you know, people feel about one thing or the other and, you know, just get some overall engagement. So we highly encourage that. As we said, March Madness is in full swing. But first, let's talk about this extra large, ginormous, gargantuan, I'm running out of words, contract that Mike Trout just signed last week. It is a 12-year, $430 million contract. As one comedian, Chris Rock, said in a skit from In Living Color, good Lord, that's a lot of money. Be live. What you got to say about the world's largest contract? Well, the largest contract in North American sports history. What you got, what you got to say about that, Be live? Man, that, where do I begin? From... <laughs> For my for my faithful listeners to my what happened video blog, man, that was that's literally had me scratching my head. Like, where is all of this money coming from? But man, oh man, Mike Trout, get your money! Absolutely game changer. Like <laughs> Bryce Harper, sorry for you, but you know your boy had to come behind you and get a hundred million on top of what was the largest contract. He's like, yeah, you think that was the largest contract? Hold my beer. Man. So, you know, <laughs> so that is craziness. I'm still, like I said, I'm still stuck on the fact of, like, I get it. You want to grab this young talent. You want to solidify it. One thing I'm, I do want to do, I want to check and see, because I know Bryce Harper was a no, there was a no trade clause or something like that. Like, Bryce Harper is Philly for the rest of his career. I would Pretty like much. To, I would like to see like a couple of details of the Mike Trout contract, but at the end of the day, still twelve years, four hundred thirty million. I know um, Eddie Cool, you had a breakdown of that contract of how much he's making per inning. If you could break out those stats for us, okay. Uh, shout out to um, the stat bro Kyle P. Uh, the breakdown of the contract is he makes thirty five million. Per year, let that sink in. All right, two hundred and twenty-one thousand per game. We went from year to per game. Now let's go to innings. Mike Trout will be making twenty-four thousand dollars per inning. You know what? I wonder if that includes extra innings as well, too. No, that it would go down. His or. His average go down if it's extra innings, but it'll go up if he misses games. Right. He's still oh. getting paid. Oh, wow. How you feel about this, Scotty D? You know, uh, about middle of the winter here when all these big uh, these big free agents were sitting on the shelf waiting to get their contracts, I was starting to feel a little bit somewhat proud of the 
owners for not splurging on these big long-term deals anymore because it didn't work out pretty, you know, didn't work out very well with the Prince Fielder, Robinson Cano deals. You know, it just, it seemed like the length of these contracts and the, and the amount of money was starting to come back to earth. And then boom, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Nolan Arenado, and now this one with Mike Trout, man, I can't even in my dreams dream up that kind of money. That is insane amount of money. But the Angels, I think they felt like we got to lock this guy up because Bryce Harper's already talking about trying to lure him out to Philly, and this is their guy. So they they made him an angel for life. And I tell you, if you look at his numbers, he's the best player in baseball, but we don't see him a lot because he's on the West Coast. He plays a lot of games after East Coast is in bed. For that kind of money, I got to start watching this dude play more. Yeah, I agree, man. I um, that that's the only thing about living on a certain side of the country. You get to see one more than other or the other more than one. And from from what I've saw of Mike Trout, you know, over the past several years, um, I'll be honest with you, I think he's every worth of the twelve year and the four hundred and thirty million that he's getting. Um he's one of the top uh center fielders in all of baseball and um Mike Trout, get your money, young man. Get your money. All right, moving on from Mike Trout to another bro. The retirement, if you will, of one Rob Gunkrowski, also known as Gronk. Scott, Gronk, how do you feel about it? You know, I'm not one of these patriot haters. You know, a lot of people, they're, they're, they're so angry every time they see Tom Brady lift the trophy at the end of the year. And I get it. I got patriot fatigue, too. So I guess adios, Gronk. That'll be kind of nice. Maybe it'll help even out the rest of the league a little bit. <laughs> but Gronk, the, you know, the thing that you think about with Gronk is a lot of times I think we gloss over how great this dude was because of how fun he is. You know, this dude, he only played, what is it, nine-year career? Is that what he ended up playing, nine, ten years? Yeah, nine, nine years. Nine years. Yeah, nine years. Yeah, so he's getting out at age 29. He's got a, a whole future in front of him. So, you know, what more does a guy need to do? He's been in there. He's won Super Bowls. He's got all the accolades. He's having a blast. Bring bring on the Gronk to the WWE. He's fun, man. I mean, he, he's a he's a fun guy. I remember seeing a special about the ESPN body issue a couple years ago, you know, the, the annual issue they do with athletes in the buff. And they said when Gronk came to do his, the dude couldn't keep his clothes on. He couldn't wait to get naked. He couldn't wait to, to have fun. He's he's all about fun, man. So I, I think he did it the right way. He he got in, made his money, was very smart with his money, and he's out. Yep. Like a busted streetlight. <laughs> Be live, where you at on this? I I have to do it because this is just who I am and I'm going to poke the bear a little bit. Money man Scotty D, out of all of the references you could have came up with with Gronk. You just happened, the first thing that popped to your mind was the ESPN body issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm, I'm wrong. You know what? Hey, we you know what? Air. I have a very staunch record of heterosexuality. I can just put something like that out there once in a while. Staunch. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. Very staunch record of heterosexuality. I'm messing with you, man. But now I got to poke the bear again because this is actually a legit question. Poke, 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 jab, jab, jab. Oh, yeah. I have to do it. Who should be in the Hall of Fame first, Gronk or Jason Witten? I'm mm. going to throw that back at you, Scott. What do you think? Uh, I I guess probably Gronk because he's going to be retired first. Witten's back. So <laughs> he has but, to be. You, I know. I get it. You're talking about skill level. Um, right. Witten. I mean, his numbers are, are are up there as far as like he's in the top what three, four all time receivers. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's at the top of the list. He that's that's a tough comparison because they're they they actually had different styles, but they're it's it's a no brainer. They're both first ballot guys. Yeah, no, I, I and I absolutely and I absolutely agree. Witten's numbers are definitely going to be much higher because of the longevity, um, and also just um. Gronk had, I think Gronk definitely is, um, his TD numbers, like, he's retiring at age 29. So, and then, like, the last two, the last two years of his 
um, career, if I'm not mistaken. I'll do a little bit more look um, look into that. He was injured most of that time. So, I mean, his numbers could be way higher than that. He's For sure. Got, He's already at age 29 because he's been a Patriot the entire time with Tom Brady. He has the most receptions, um, reception touchdowns in Patriot history, and that's at a tight end. Yeah, he was very – I mean, he was – you look at him as a fun, funny guy, but he was insanely athletic. He really was. Uh, was, was, He was a matchup problem. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like I said, you couldn't put you couldn't put a safety on him because I mean he's faster than he's faster than your normal safety. You couldn't put a corner on him because he's bigger, much bigger than a corner, and you can just forget about trying to guard um, trying to guard him with a linebacker. It's just a wrap. So it was, he was just a matchup nightmare. He was a freak of nature. One of those, like, how do we replace him? You got now you're going to have NFL scouts on the basketball court trying to find another Gronkowski because they don't build them like that in football. They really don't. No, they don't. And um, you, you guys have both interesting points when it comes to, um, you know, especially you be live. That that was Gronk's biggest, uh, biggest strong suit with him being the freakish athlete that he is and his size, what he's like six, eight or something like that. And just big as all outdoors. And, you know, he could, you know, he could catch everything. And so, like you said, trying to put a safety on him, forget about it. Linebacker, forget about it. A cornerback, um, nice try. Good luck. See you next year. So it was just, whenever Rob Gronkowski was on the field, he was a problem. He was a absolute problem. And I'm looking, I took some time to do a little research and I'm looking at the numbers between Gronkowski and Witten. Here we go. Um, Rob Gronkowski, 520 run receptions versus Jason Witten. 1,152 receptions. Uh, Gronk, 7,861 yards versus Jason Witten, 12,448 yards. Uh, the only upper hand, upper, upper hand that he has on him is the Gronk has 79 touchdowns versus Jason Witten's 68 touchdowns. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, Gronk has done that in like what? The, uh, a shorter period of time than Jason Witten has. But from a standpoint of fantasy football, I am forever grateful to Jason Witten, and I'm kind of and I'm <laughs> kind of happy to see good old old reliable back. If I can run a two tight end set with Jason Witten or Delaney Walker, everybody better watch out. So that's neither here nor there. We got fantasy football coming up later on this year, guys. So um, best of luck to Gronk and walking Much out respect, on your own. Gronk. Exactly. Much no, respect. Really- yeah, knowing to get away when you can and um, see you in the WWE Performance Center pretty soon. Right. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> now, the moment we've all been waiting for, <laughs> hey, <laughs> March Madness. All right. As we stated before on the Sports Bros Facebook page, like us, check us out, show us some love. Um, the head of creative, Eddie Cool, didn't have time to create his brackets due to my commitment to Tranquilo Thursdays. Hashtag Tranquilo Thursdays. If you haven't checked it out, please check it out. Please check it out. And also, my face looks good when you Chromecast it from your phone to your TV. <laughs> I'm just saying, I had to throw it out there. <laughs> so anyways, here we go to the most important part, a segment I like to call, What Them Brackets Look Like. Scott, since you say you're winning, we're gonna let you go first. I believe I have current. I'm currently sitting with 15 out of 16 chosen in the Sweet 16. That's not too shabby, there, boys. That's pretty good uh, prognosticating. Uh, the the really we actually talked about this before we came on the air. Uh, there's haven't been a ton of of the upsets that we we saw last year. You know, last year we saw. Virginia go down as the number one seed in the first round, which had never happened before. I think they lost to Baltimore, Maryland County. Yep. And we had Chicago, Loyola Chicago, uh, move on to the Final Four last year. So Cinderella hasn't really shown up as dramatically this year. So it's been a little bit easier, I guess I'd, I'd say, to, to if, if you didn't go for the upsets. I think B-Live might have had a little bit of upset syndrome there. He, he, was, he had a little bit more picked in his brackets, but – uh, so far, the favorites have kind of panned out for the most part. Even Duke got a little bit of a scare yesterday, which was a fantastic game. But they uh, 
they are still that that's my that's my champion pick, and they're still rolling. Still, yeah, yeah, they're still in there. All right, be live. Um, wow. Yeah, what what happened is exactly that. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's sort of it's parody, you know, like it. You look for the Cinderellas. I like picking Cinderellas in my bracket. I'm not going to be your normal you know, down the line. I'm picking number one seeds across the board. It just doesn't happen until this year. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. But it is. I mean, I get it. I mean, they they might have gotten um, the seating right this year. They first the first thing that happened that they did right was to take take their freaking um, selection show away from TBS. And doing the whole alphabetical crap. Amen. You, Jesus. Mm. God, what was that? So <laughs> that, that was a travesty <laughs> last year for sure. That you you're on the money on that one. <laughs> so that might have that might have just changed things. And so I like I said, looking at looking at the brackets real quick, there's only one double digit seed that is still in, and they're in the South with Oregon at the 12th seed. They're the only double-digit seed. And actually, they're the only seed above a five seed that is still in. The East, I'm just scrolling real quick, the East has just their top four seeds left. The West has their top four seeds left. The Midwest has the one, two, three, and five seed with Auburn beating the crap out of Kansas. That game was not as close as what um, the um, score says because Auburn was dominating them. So Auburn might be that dark horse. They're going against UNC. And that, I think that is going to be a little bit more compelling than what meets the eye. Auburn did end up besting Tennessee and Kentucky. They didn't play Kentucky in the um, SEC um, tournament, but Auburn was the SEC champion, which Auburn's rolling right now. They are mm-hmm. definitely hot. They are forced to be reckoned with, and they're the five seed, so they might feel a little disrespected. They did lose nine games, but it is what it is. They are on that hot streak right now. So, with that being said, with the brackets, and then even with the South bracket, you have one, two, three, and twelve. So, I mean, literally, like. All of your one seeds, all of your two seeds, all of your three seeds are still in the tournament, and then you just have two fours, a five, and a twelve. So, and truthfully, Oregon is really better than a twelve seed. They had a rough earlier part of the year, but they are they're winners of ten in a row, including the conference championship. So I don't even feel like they're a true Cinderella story because they're actually probably much better than their seeding indicates. And so, and with that, um, so um. I do appreciate that. So Oregon did win the Pac-12. Yeah. Okay. So okay. and they won. They won the Pac-12, which is a major conference, and they picked them as a 12 seed. Wow. Wow. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call it right now. I think, I think Oregon's beating Virginia. They. I. I'm. Virginia struggled again in the first round. They struggled again. I, I honestly, I posted it because it literally looked like Gardner Webb was going <laughs> to knock them out and Virginia's going to lose again. They are the only team in history at a one seed to lose to a 16 seed, and they looked like they were going to do it again. I think Oregon's going to take them down. And I'm an ACC boy, but I mean, come on. So may, maybe they ride the ship, but who knows? That's why they call it madness. I'm not talking about my bracket. Moving on. <laughs> Duck it, duck it, quack, quack. <laughs> All right, guys, what you think about um one of the bigger games yesterday, Duke versus the University of Central Florida? Well, I'm I'm gonna chime in real quick with that. What is in the water in Central Florida? I'm gonna say that because they talk some big, big, and you know what? They've been backing it up. Like my man, was it um Taco Taco? Oh, seven foot six, seven, seven, eight foot, I'm nine foot, all the way through the roof. Big but man, he said, he said straight up that Zion wasn't dunking on him. And then Zion proceeds to put 31 points in on, on, the, on him in the game. But literally, Zion's playing out of his mind. Like, it's, that's hard to actually say. Because Zion is Zion, and he's been Zion. He is the next LeBron James. I said it um, a couple years ago. 
he's been playing out of his mind throughout the ACC tournament. Like, he came back. And I even I said that in my head. I thought it. I ain't really say it out loud. But I was like, Zion getting injured, resting up, rehabbing is going to be dangerous because he's fresh. He's fresher than everybody else playing on that court. And mm-hmm. he's already skillfully better than him. So now it's just a combination. But I'm going to say this. Like I said, there's something in the water in Central Florida with them being in football, being undefeated, talking that national championship talk. The true national champion is 15-0 and 0 this year. My boys, the Clemson football Tigers. I'm sorry. I had to do it. But it is what it is. is. <laughs> we're, we're, hey, we're, we're used to it at this point. So you know. <laughs> All roads lead to Clemson. Yeah, All roads lead to Clemson. Is, it's at some point in time, you know, I got to do it. I bleed orange. But, yeah, something's in the water because they took Duke to the limit. And I'm telling you, looking at that last shot, unfortunately, I did not get to see majority of the game. But just the fact that that last shot, that tip in that literally was in the cylinder and rolled out, that it was millimeters away from Central Florida, Florida pulling the huge upset and then seeing yet another overall number one seed not make it to the Sweet 16. Sorry, Virginia, I had to do it again. But, <laughs> man, unbelievable. True, man, true, dude. true. Well, so I'll tell I'm, you what's in the water down there. It's not so much the water. is It's the, the coach. I mean, Johnny Dawkins was coaching that team yesterday. His son was, was playing, and Johnny Dawkins learned to defeat a Coach K. And really, he was probably – Coach K's first big star. He's the one that pretty much began the whole the whole Duke run, and uh, he's probably also going to be one of those guys that will sooner than later move on to a bigger school. But he had those boys playing, and this kid, this Taco man, he, he's got some skill to him. He's not like a lot of those big guys we've seen before, where they just stand in there and throw their arms up and try to block shots and gain rebounds. I mean, dude had some footwork and you know, a little bit of a skill set. So that was kind of impressive, I thought, because I, I hadn't, admittedly, I hadn't seen that team play before. I had seen Zion play before, and I tell you, man, he impressed me too because in the biggest moment of the game, he didn't wilt under pressure. He went right at their biggest dude, took it right in his grill, scored, fouled him out of the game, which ended up being huge because on the very next play, he missed a free throw, and his team was able to secure a rebound that they may not have gotten had Taco still been on the floor. So Zion, man, he he impresses me more and more every game. And that's why I got Duke winning it all. Hey, you know what that reminds me of? This reminds me of WrestleMania with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. <laughs> uh, Zion playing the role of the immortal Hulk Hogan brother and Taco Fall playing the role of Andre the Giant. And what, do you, what a coincidence. What do you know? Hulk Hogan won, and so did Zion and Duke. All right, guys. Also, another thing we want to touch upon is Tom Izzo's coaching tactics. Now, for some of you that don't know what went on, Tom Izzo got into a heated discussion, to say the least, with um, Aaron Henry, with one of his players. And a lot of people have been real, have had a lot to say about how Tom Izzo handled that situation. I'm going to go last, but I'm going to let one of you guys go first. I'm going to let, all right, be like, we're going to let you go first. Well, I don't know if you want me to talk about this because I, I'm, I'm just old school with it. You know, I mean, I got the gray hair on the chin, man. Coaches, you got just, I'm, I'm trying my best to keep it PG, but coaches got in your tailbone. Just and it's just it it made you a stronger person, not just a player, but a person, a man. And this is one of those things we are steadily and progressively making our young men weaker by making this such a PR and oh he's like I'm telling you right now, life in general is not going to coddle you. Mm-mm. It's just not going to do it. So I applaud Tom Izzo. Get in. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it is such a competitive sport to the point where if you don't have a coach that's going to light a fire in your tail, 
you're not going to make it, period. You're not going to make it in basketball. And you're not, I mean, that right there, more than anything, is just going to be that, it, it sparks that fire. So I see absolutely nothing wrong with his coaching tactics. He did not put his hands on him. He just gave him an old-fashioned butt-chewing. And, man, just uh, Tom Izzo, you, you got my vote. You good to go with me. I'm like I said, I'm old school. I I might not make it in this new millennial society, but it's just I'm just being honest. That's just me. All right, yeah, Scott, we went. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much in the same in the same camp where I, I think he maybe went a little bit too far with the pointing. That was really the only thing I I had an issue with is that he was kind of pointing and kind of might have been a little bit embarrassing for the kid but I really don't think it was nearly an issue as it was made out to be because the media had to talk about it I mean it was on national television in in March and Izzo has a reputation for being a fiery guy but I've never seen him do go to quite the level he went the other day Uh, yeah other than the pointing you know, it, it's it's old school coaching, and, and the kid didn't have a problem with it. If the young man is okay with it, and the and the rest of the team is okay with it, then I'm okay with it because I'm sure, other than Tom Izzo, there's plenty of coaches out there who do similar things while not televised. When you're in practice, you're chewing your boys and you're doing things to to fire them up and make them better. And that kid pretty much said that he said, "I'm going to go where I want to go because of Tom Izzo," something to that effect. You know, not exact quoting there, but. Yeah, I, I I just I just think maybe the the pointing at him got a little bit carried away, and I just and it's an isolated incident as far as that goes. But yeah, I, I I'm not I think this is much ado about nothing to be honest. Yeah, I've um I've discussed this very topic amongst many friends on Facebook, um, some which are coaches from the um, junior varsity level to the Pee Wee to the Pop Warner level, on up to varsity uh, basketball and football, um. You know, they're old school and they see no problem with it. And as a former player, I'm not going to lie. I don't see a problem with it at all because as a coach, what do I need to do to get the best out of you? You know, what do right. I, what do I need to do? <clears throat> excuse me. What do I need to do to get the best of out of you? If I got, you know, if I got to get all up in you, then I'm going to have to, you know, get all up in you some way, shape, form or how to get the best out of you. And as you said, Belive, we live in such a soft, sensitive society as well. Oh, well, he shouldn't have did that. He shouldn't have done that. You know what? Going through life, there's a lot of things we shouldn't have done or shouldn't have did. But you know what? It is a lesson learned, and it turned out for the better. See, that young man at that point in time probably needed that to happen because as um, Tom Izzo said in the press conference, this is the time of year where there are no my bads. There yes. are no my bads. You know, you lose one game, they're heading back to they're heading back to Michigan. You know, wondering what would what if what if that could have been us, right? And and so the thing about it is, like, as a football player, I've had coaches grab my face mask and really chew me out to get my game up. And while I was slouching on plays, two plays later, I would get it together and be back to where I needed to be. Um, as far as talent level is concerned, so I just believe I'm, you know, I'm with you, Scott. Um, the finger pointing is much ado about nothing, and I also look at it like this: when it comes to players, players react differently to certain gestures, statements, and comments. A finger wagging wouldn't really bother me. The only time the finger wagging would bother me is your finger touches me in my face then we may have an issue <laughs> right then we, may, then we may have an issue but as far as like the motivation the yelling the you know the the come on let's go let's go get it together and you know the real the real aggressive nature of it i feel there's nothing wrong with it because like you said be live life ain't easy and talking to a guy that's lost both parents trust me i know life ain't easy life gives you a hand a, a deck of cards and you got to figure out how to play it so as far as getting yelled at, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's no big issue about it. It's just, look, take it for what it is, make it a lesson learned, and when you go out there on that court, don't do that again because you know what you're going to get when you turn your behind around and come to that bench. Mm-hmm. All right, so continuing on with our March Madness theme, we got the 
best part of the show, I think, listener interaction where we where the discussion was we asked our listeners to give us their fondest, greatest, and best March Madness memories. And um I had a pretty good turnout, guys, so here we go. All right, Dax McCall sent one in. He said Tyus Edney with the game winner versus Missouri and UConn in nineteen ninety five and also the Villanova Big time. That was big time. Yes, it was. And also the Villanova buzzer beater in two thousand sixteen by Chris Jenkins to beat UNC. Ooh, I remember that like yesterday. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Next, also, we got David Richardson. He sends us Christian Leitner, the shot, in 1992 versus Kentucky. Um, Sickening. Friend, exactly. Sickening. Exactly. <laughs> friend and other brother to the podcast, J.R. Speaks, Nova versus Duke. And, well, we know where he lies and we know why. So, yeah, do want it. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. What's another one? Javi from the Chuck Town, Kimball Walker step back jumper um, in UConn in 2011, helping them win the championship. And Stephen Delamore, 2003, Texas versus Michigan State, when Texas won and made it to the Final Four for the first time since 1947. And TJ Ford's amazing season, which in turn led the, uh, the Longhorns to a deep, deep tournament run. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's good. That's very good. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's a really good one. All right, fellas, what you got as far as your uh, March Madness memories? Well, as far as, far as um, I'm concerned, I, there's so many to pick from. But I, me, growing up, I have to admit, I have to admit, I was a diehard UNC basketball fan growing up. I mean, it was everything about Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So, I mean, that's just how I grew up. Yes, I bleed orange through and through, and because of a friend of mine, Paul Odom, yeah, I'm talking about you, I no longer root per se for the Tar Heels, but I, I come on, it's just going to be Tar Heels over Duke any day of the week twice on Sunday. So, I mean, I really dial back to the 2009 championship. That was just, that was sort of special for me, this, I mean... 2005 is a close second. 2017, I mean, North Carolina's put together quite the program through and through that stand the test of time. But yeah, just 2005, 2009, those championships for North Carolina always just um, resonate with me. Those are my young adult, you know, watching watching TV, yelling, screaming like I do. Just I mean, it's it's a big thing being. Um, being in the states of um, South Carolina and North Carolina, just the um, camaraderie that goes along with that. So that really still just resonates with me. All right, Scott, you got a you got a few, you got a couple of them. Well, my yeah, mine uh, mine is a little bit more in depth here, and I'm gonna I have a little bit of a backstory to kind of pre- present it on this, and I'm gonna show my age a little bit on this one. So bear with me here, guys, because I'm a few years older than you boys, but. Uh, I'm going back in uh, to the 1988 tournament. Prior to the 88 tournament, there was a guy named Fennis Dembo. Ooh, yeah, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Do you ever heard of Fennis Dembo before? Name sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. Fennis Dembo played for Wyoming, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated's preview issue for the 87-88 year, and they had just come off of a Sweet 16, and he was supposed to be one of the top players in the country. Now, back then, ESPN didn't have a family. It had a network, so you didn't get to see all these <laughs> games like you do now. So I didn't get to see Wyoming play, so I was looking forward to watching this kid play in the first round of the tournament, and they played a team I'd never heard of before called Loyola Marymount, and I have never seen anything like that. Loyola Marymount shot the ball like under 10 seconds on every possession. Wyoming got run off the floor that day. Actually, they, they did pretty well. They lost. 119 to 115. Good That's God. A, a big score. Oh, boy. Ooh they boy. added two guys from Southern California, transferred to Loyola Marymount, named Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. And in the next season, Hank Gathers led the country in scoring and rebounding both in the whole year. So coming into the 1990 tournament, Loyola Marymount had a lot of momentum, and they had gotten a lot of national attention because they're scoring 100 points a game or more. And right before the tournament happened, I'm sure you know the story, Hank Gathers died on the court in the West Coast 
championship. Right. And they end up canceling the rest of the tournament. But because they were the regular season champions, Loyola Marymount got to they got to go into the tournament as an 11 seed. And that brings me to my moment. In the first round, they're playing New Mexico State. And Bo Kimball was Hank Gather's best friend. I'm sure you've heard the story, but in that first round, in the first game, with like five minutes left to go in the first half, Bo Kimball picked up his fourth foul. You know this kid never fouled out of the game. He wow. stayed in the game, and he played his heart out. And when he got into the second half and he got fouled, he shot his first free throw with his left hand in honor of Hank Gathers. I remember. Hank Gathers had had some problems shooting free throws and experimented by shooting lefty. And he made that with his left hand, and I get goosebumps even talking about it, but the arena went crazy. Loyola Marymount put on an incredible run. They they knocked New Mexico State off. The next game they played the defending champion, Michigan Wolverines. They scored, I think, 140-some points in that game. The following game, they play Alabama in the Sweet 16 with a young stud named Robert Ory, knock him off, and then they finally ran out of gas when they played UNLV. That tournament was insane. There was so much going on in that. Christian Leitner hit his first buzzer beater against UConn to put Duke in the Final Four, which set up the championship with UNLV. And UNLV, I tell you, to this day, I think a lot of people will tell you, might have been one of the most incredible college teams to ever watch play back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they ran Duke off the floor in the finals. So I, I kind of say the whole 1990 tournament, just because there's so much drama, but watching Hank or uh, watching Bo Kimball shoot that left-handed shot in honor of Hank Gathers to me is the all-time moment for me in in March Madness history. All right, I those are both great guys, by the way, Scott. Thank you for that great story. Great story. Give us a chance to. Um, Go read about it and research it and look it up. Me, I have several. Um, my first March Madness memory, well, the, these are ones that stick out to me the most. Um, the 1998 Valparaiso team led by the almighty <laughs> Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew. <laughs> yes. 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 Led by Bryce Drew and they, um, upset the number four, um, Ole Miss, the Mississippi Rebels. Uh, Valpo was a 13 seed. And yep. Ole Miss was a four seed. Yes, and that will go down in infamy tournament history. Um, a few that came to mind, I'm going to take, I'm going to give the ladies a little bit of a love, you know, a little bit of love today um, in the NCAA Women's National Championship. I can't remember the years exactly, but they're very recent. I remember um, a little a point guard. The smallest thing in the room, but yes. live is one. Yes. Shout out goes to Killer Mike. Uh, her name is Morgan Williams. She was like, what, all of what, five feet, four eleven or something like that? Yeah, she's tiny. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but she. when I say she had a heart of a lion, I was captivated by her performance during the entire tournament. I became a Morgan Williams fan right there and then at the moment, and I was like, wow, she is really, yeah, she's really doing it. And also, um, the other one, my other moment is Orike, I'm going to butcher this name, Orike, Orike Ogubanwale. Yes, I got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yes, Orike Ogubanwale, when she hit that corner three-pointer to seal the deal for um, the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame, I was in my living room jumping up and down. Like, that was my team. Like in uh yeah, and so those are my picks right there for the March Madness memories. And as we've always said before, we want to give a big shout out to our guests who are listening with us, Dax, David, Jr., Javi, and Steven. Input fellas, and feel free yeah. to chime in anytime. Thanks for anytime. sharing, guys. Those were real. Those were some some uh, very good moments to point out. It's a great oh. tournament, and it's a, a great event, and. Everyone has their own their own ideas of what the, their great memories are, and I appreciate you guys sharing those with us. Cool, cool, cool. Right on, right on. All right, and uh, Scott, you kind of want to give a preview of some listener interactions for the future? Yeah, you know, I was talking about that UNLV team of 1990, and they were must-see TV, man. They were the kind of team, if they were on, you want to stop what you were doing and watch. And that made me think of... Who today is uh, is your must-see 
player or team. It could be a team, but it could be Steph Curry. You might be say, man, Steph Curry is playing tonight. I, I really want to stop and watch what I'm doing. Because there are some great athletes, such as, you know, like Tim Duncan. Did you ever hear anybody say, man, Duncan's playing tonight. I got to watch that. <laughs> what do they call him? Is he uh, the, the big, big fundamental? fundamental. The big fundamental. Okay. So, yeah, I just uh, I want to kick that around next week. So if you're listening out there, who uh, who is it that makes you really want to stop and watch? Who makes you want to turn on your TV or when you're walking past the TV, you stop and say, oh, man, I got to watch this guy bat. I got to watch this guy shoot. I got to. I just got to watch. Who's your must-see athlete? All right. And just to let you know, as always, you can hit us up on the Sports Bros Facebook like page. And also, you can dive into them DMs, as the kids say, at our um, at our podcast profile site. That is the Sports Bros at Anchor FM. All right. Also, where are we at in the show? Oh, it's time for a game of pepper, fellas. Ooh, we just we just whizzing by real quick with this show, real quick with this show. So now it's time. Exactly. Now it's time for a game of pepper. Um, we'll just throw the ball around the horn, and I'll go first. Uh, I want to say congratulations to Ichiro Suzuki, one of the greats in uh, the sport of baseball and all the sports, a real class act. And um, enjoy your retirement, my friend. And um, one thing, quick shout out. You know, I still bleed orange. Um, Sunday was a somber day for me. Uh, men in the NIT and the women in the um, big dance, they both went down. So I'm, I'm a little, little heartbroken. But Clemson basketball, hey, I'm still rooting for you. But once again, football makes up for everything because we are the reigning defending national champions, Clemson Tigers, baby. Bleed orange. Yes, sir. Yeah, all roads lead to Clemson football in the show, I know. <laughs> hey, one thing we haven't talked a lot about yet on our show is the UFC. And this past Saturday night, one of my favorite fighters, Anthony Showtime Pettis, rallied from taking a two-round beatdown and with just seconds left in the second round, knocks out, boom, with a Superman punch, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Love Superman it. punch! Superman punch! All right. Also, America... Everybody's been caught up in Zion Williamson and Zion Mania. Let's not forget, there's another kid from the great state of South Carolina, also known as Ja Morant. Will he stay? Will he go? Well, I just hope that he stays so America can fall in love with him as they did with Zion. Um, Another side note that we just, I mean, we brushed under the rug real quickly, but I won't let it stay under the rug. So the prosecutors in Florida are making a deal with Robert Kraft. Mm. All he has to do is admit that he did some things and they were, I'm like, oh my goodness. The, The rich stay rich, money talks and all that good stuff. Robert Kraft, you are not off my radar. I will not let it go down like that. Gronk, celebrate all you want to. Robert Kraft, I am still holding you to the fire. <laughs> like feet it. to the fire. Let it burn. Let it burn. Pop all like the corns in your feet. <laughs> what you got, Scott? Philadelphia Phillies signed Bryce Harper, but they didn't stop there. They got John Segura, JT Real Muto, Andrew McCutcheon, and I think Aaron Nola might be the breakout pitcher of the league this year. Phillies, I think, might be playoff bound. So you think it's going to be the Phillies and the Braves for the uh, in, uh, NL East? Very well could be. Mm, interesting. All right. My last take I got here. I am looking forward to WrestleMania all 511 hours of it. All <laughs> 511 hours of it. As a wrestling fan, I watched the Japanese equivalent to WrestleMania known as Wrestle Kingdom. And as soon as one match ends, another match starts. It was like a conveyor belt. They didn't play no games. But of course, with the WWE, it's pomp, circumstances, 511,000 matches, some throwaway matches, and everything else that is WrestleMania. So I'm looking forward to it. Will I stay awake through the whole thing? I don't know. Well, quick shout out to uh, Max Speed Shop where I work at. Um, They're going to have to let a brother get off early to watch WrestleMania because, I mean, it's going to be 15 hours long. And just quick note, 
I think they have 17 matches for Ooh. WrestleMania, which is just unheard of. So, but on my third topic to uh, take off with, I want to give a quick shout out to the Indiana Pacers. They're the number four seed in the um in the East. They've already clinched a playoff spot, and I think they've been out without their star Victor Oladipo for a good month and such now, and they're still plugging along. I I'm looking forward to see them shock the world and beat Boston in the first round of the playoffs. I'm calling it right now without Victor Oladipo. Ooh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I like it too. Like. I, I like it too, man. And for the first time in forever, here's an interesting stat that I found out. I think for the first time since the 77-76 season, there will not be an NBA playoffs that features either Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, or LeBron James. Let that sink in, fellas. That's that's a little extra pepper I decided to throw in, you know. <laughs> Which means the Lakers aren't making the playoffs. Thanks, guys. I see Scott. I see. I see Scott. I wasn't even yeah. going to do that. I wasn't going to do that to you. <laughs> that was not my intent. But since you brought it up, yeah, they ain't going to the playoffs. All right. <laughs> yeah, tough. It. <laughs> All right. My final pepper point to wrap this thing up, put a little bow on it, is this week. Believe it or not, baseball season starts. It's a little bit chilly. It's a little bit cold out there to be playing America's pastime. But I love baseball season, and uh, I think I'm going to go with the Astros to come back from coming up short last year and winning their second World Series in three years. And I think it's going to be the Brewers that are going down in the World Series this year. An all-too-early World Series prediction. All-too-early. Who you got, B-Laugh? Man, oh, man. I'm sorry. See, I'm just, I got I got to go with my heart. You know, I just – I should be an analyst. Clemson? I, no, no. Clemson <laughs> <man>. <laughs> World Series? <laughs> Jesus. Clemson over the Red Sox in the World Series? <laughs> I, I honestly think I'm putting my Braves in the World Series. I, they're young. They're young. I'm telling you, it's going to be a fight with the Phillies. Absolutely. But uh, Braves have made a couple of moves, and I really believe in um, Albies and Acuna. I really do. I mean, those guys were just – amazing in their first year like so i think the braves could do it be live but i think in order for them to get the world series they're gonna have to have Dabo be their coach oh (laughs) (laughs) bring your own guts (laughs) hey Dabo can do it all i don't know if anybody's noticed but bo knows no 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 Dabo knows Dabo does it all put it on the t-shirt be live <laughs> and it, or he has already got a T-shirt, and I actually have the T-shirt. But <laughs> like I said, when you come to Death Valley, you better bring your own guts. I said, "Wow, okay, bring your own guts." All right, so my World Series prediction: I'm kind of going off the cuff with what I've know, what I've heard, what I've seen. Um, at first, I was thinking that Cleveland was going to come out of the American League, but um, that bullpen is a little suspect. And Edwin Encarnacion went elsewhere. So there may be a slight difference on what we see with the Indians. So I have to take that detour down south and go with those uh, mighty, mighty Houston Astros who just seem to put everything together and are clicking. And I think uh, Justin Verlander is like, look, I'm not going nowhere. I'm staying right here. And that's very key for them and their pitching staff. Um, And coming out of the National League, it's going to be a dogfight between Philly, the Brewers and the Braves, but I'm just gonna go ahead and throw, I'm gonna go ahead and chunk it out there. And I'm gonna say uh, Braves, Astros, World Series. Who's gonna win? I don't even know. Check back with me in about three months. I'll let you know something. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we that's it. That's it for the show. Um, once again, be live. Where can they reach you at? Well, this be your boy, the almighty be live. You can catch up with me on Instagram and Twitter. My um, tag, it'd be this be your boy, be live, no I. So T-H-S-B-E-Y-A-B-O-Y, be live, L-I-V-E. You can catch me on Instagram, Twitter. I do most of my stuff on Facebook. So you can catch um, catch me on the um, our Facebook live page the sports rose podcast 
Hey, and check me out on Wednesdays. I'm telling you, I got some what happened moments coming to you. I might have to throw in a couple of them just because there's a lot going on. But what happened Wednesdays on Hump Day? I'm coming to you. Be I think it'll be episode number five for me on uh, what happened Wednesdays, man. I thoroughly enjoy doing it. I definitely take time out of my busy, busy, busy schedule to make that happen because I truly believe in entertaining the fans. Do I actually have fans? I don't know. It doesn't make a bit of difference. I'm but your you fan. <laughs> I'm your fan, too. Uh, he laughed. <laughs> so there's two right there, buddy. Oh, man, I appreciate the love, man. But like I said, I thoroughly enjoy doing it, man. It's a positive energy. Um, I'm just continuing to ask each and every day for your input, comments, and I tell you, I want to feature you on the show, feature on the podcast. Like I say, quick shout outs to one of my biggest friends, um, Brenda Johnson. She is a diehard um, Fear to Chop Atlanta Braves fan, so I want to give her a shout out. Man, love her to death. <laughs> we All we do is talk baseball. She knows way more than I do, but she will keep me honest. To my man, Kevin Wade, another diehard Braves fan. So you see I'm transitioning over to baseball. And, man, I'm excited for the season. And man, I'm excited for what happened Wednesdays. I'm excited for this podcast, man. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Money Man, Scotty D, where can everybody find you and get in contact with you? That don't mean put um, your phone number out. Don't, you, know, you, you, <laughs> can, uh, you can stop by Overtime Sports Cafe. In no, no, God. That was a time that was true. I'm on the break of tears. Why are you doing this to me? No, no, no more Overtime. I'm sorry. Uh, now, um, I'm too old for Instagram, so you can catch me on Facebook. Scott Donnelly, D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. Or if you're in the Myrtle Beach area, stop down at Beast Beast Ninja. That's the gym I'm working at, the only obstacle course slash gym facility in the area. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. All right. And of course, I'm the host. Oh, I got a headache thinking about the memories of old time and know that ain't there no more. <laughs> Man. Of course, I am the host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. And you can catch me on a numerous amount of social media platforms, which includes the Sports Bros Podcast. Just check us out at the Sports Bros Podcast on Facebook. And also, Cool Season on Instagram. That's K-O-O-L-S-E-A-S-O-N, all one word. And you can also hit me up on Snapchat, too. Just look for Eddie Cool or Super Cool 5000. And for myself, the head of creative, Eddie Cool, the almighty B-Live, and yes, also sir. the money man, Scotty D., we are the Sports Bros, and in closing, do something good for yourself, and also do something nice for someone else. Y'all take care, and this is the Sports Bros Podcast.